Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, Armor Insiders and everybody who's decided to spend part of their Saturday with the Armor Report. I'm Brett Rosenthal. We're going to go over the stock market, both what happened last week, what we think will happen next week, and how we're positioning our virtual hedge fund here, which is what we're doing. So the Armor Report, I share with you how I run my own personal capital and Armor Insiders that join me in our Armor Slack trading room live all day sharing ideas. What we're really doing is building a virtual hedge fund together. You bring your capital into the fund, and what we all do is share three basic stages of investing that institutions do really well and individuals don't do at all, all right? So the first stage is to build a whiteboard of valuable information on companies that we have an interest investing in. The second stage is to use an algorithmic approach to take greed and fear and emotion out of the equation and just execute ruthlessly using the algorithms as our guide. Okay, so I share with you the armor algorithms for that piece to the puzzle. Then, of course, the third piece is the risk management rules. The core value of the armor report is to protect capital first, and then we try to capture upside. Okay, so we put those three things together. That's how we run money. That's how I run my own personal money. So obviously, whatever decisions you make after, you know, spending some time with me today, or time with anybody for that matter, is you've got to do your own due diligence, make sure it fits your risk tolerance, your goals, and all those types of things. We are going to talk today about how to use the Armour Report to structure a portfolio that fits your personality. It's one of the most important pieces of the puzzle that I can't do for you. Everybody has to look in the mirror and understand what type of person they are and then build a strategy that fits that personality. Okay, so I'm going to go over what you can do with the armor report. There's four portfolios that I've created for you. Actually, it's how I run my own money. There's four different ways I run my own money. Styles of management is what creates um, the best way to diversify risk. And this past week is a perfect example of that. I'll go over why. But we had a lot of cash in a couple of our portfolio disciplines. So whatever happened last week, if you found it too traumatic in your portfolio, then I submit to you, you're overweighted in one style of management and you want to consider um, introducing different styles to make the process a smoother process. Okay? So we're going to go over that. You know, how to use the Armour Report to help you do that. That's why I created the Armour Report. It's one of the reasons, all right? We're also going to, as always, we're going to start to look at, from a top-down perspective, what are the Armour algorithms telling us about the big indexes? That drives all of our risk decisions and how they may or may not change next week. And we'll go over our portfolio, what we did with our portfolio and, and changes, and then we'll get to the Q&A. So let's dive right in. <clears throat> I'm going to start with a chart pattern, and I, you know, if, if we did nothing else today and just looked at these two charts, 
you would understand the market completely. And you would understand why the risk monitor is red. So step one, the Armour Report risk monitor is red, and it was red on the 11th of April. So now we skipped the weekend, you and I, because that was um, Passover and Easter weekend and, you know, family in town, all those types of things. All right. So we went risk monitor red, not last week, but the week before. Hot off the press this morning, the Investor's Business Daily has shifted their risk monitor to red. So they're a little bit late. That's okay. They usually are. They're, they're more geared towards long-term investing strategies. They're more geared towards one type of portfolio, and that's really a growth portfolio. Okay, so they're always a little bit late, but it's nice to see them come into our camp. It just confirms what we already knew two weeks ago. All right, so let's look at these two chart patterns, and what do they tell you? Okay, so here's the S&P. You're not going to get a more textbook example of a head and shoulders top, a large weekly head and shoulders top with a confirmed breakdown on Friday. Now, Armor Education Alert. Armor Education Alert. I'm going to take, just try to do this in 60 seconds, right? This is an Armor Education Alert. We're going to talk about how to draw a trend line for those of you who are new to technical analysis or those of you who have been doing it a long time and maybe haven't thought about this. Um, I recommend everybody read a very thick tome <laughs> called um, by John Murphy, author John Murphy, um, Technical Analysis of the Financial Markets. All right, it's one of those Bibles I have in my library. Right, so I got you know uh, candlestick, candle power charting. We've got um, uh, How to Make Money in Stocks by William O'Neill. Right, and we've got John Murphy, um, and I think the updated title is um, Technical Analysis of the um, Financial Markets. So here we go, Armor Education. How to build a trend line. And I've learned this in that book probably 35 years ago. I want to share it with you because there's a lot of debate. And don't forget, technical analysis is a bit of an art, not a science. So there's not a guarantee when you're doing technical analysis. But this is the way to draw a trend line, in my humble opinion, and the opinion of John Murphy. Okay, so let's zoom in now. Because there's going to be a lot of debate on where the neckline, which is this line, should be drawn on the S&P. The way to draw a trend line is to try and connect as many points as you can along the spectrum of that line. The more points you connect that are um, inflection points, the more accurate the trend line. And so... I draw it right here, okay? I start here. I take this touch and rally as the next point. I move across here, and I see the gap down. These are inflection points, a gap right to that point. Then I see a gap up, if you guys can see that, right here. Another gap up. These are inflection points, sell-off. Another gap up. It all stems from this line. Stretch it all the way across now. It goes right through the heart of that consolidation after the initial sell-off, right? Huge reversal day that dies right at the line. Another gap at the line. And here, 
and this is really the kicker. This is the, the final piece of the puzzle for me. So we started by drawing the line here, and it just automatically extends across. Look where it cuts through. The wrist monitor went from yellow to green on this day, and that's where the line intersects. Okay? So some people might tell you, put the line down here, and, you know, the neckline hasn't been broken yet. Okay? I, I disagree with that. I think that's a mistake. I think the best way to use a trend line is to go across as many key inflection points as possible. And in that case, the S&P is just broken down from a head and shoulders top. Okay? So when it comes to technical analysis, let's just don't forget this piece. All we're doing here, it's not a crystal ball. It's not a guarantee of direction. It's a discussion of where the buyers and the sellers are doing battle. It's a line in the sand. And when the sellers overrun the army of buyers, you get aggressive moves down and vice versa. Okay? So there's your education piece for today. That's how you draw a trend line. See if it works for you. Okay? Um, the risk monitor is red. Risk monitor went red right here, which is the 11th of, of April. Market tried to rally, and then it had this just awful sell-off at the end of the week. Let's go look at a weekly chart. You know how much I like weekly charts, okay? It doesn't get more clear than that on a weekly chart, okay? Now, I'll leave it on weekly, and let's shift over to the NASDAQ. I said there's two charts you need to understand this market. There's the, there's the S&P breakdown of the head and shoulders top. And there's the weekly head and shoulders top on the NASDAQ that's even weaker. So you notice the difference. On the S&P, it's straight across. There's a head and shoulders that's going straight across. On the NASDAQ, the head and shoulders is down at an angle. It's even weaker. Okay? And there's your breakdown in the NASDAQ. So two of the most important indexes. And, you know, somebody might say to me, well, why don't you draw your trend line? You know, actually, I'm going to leave this one the way it is because I like the way it is right there. And someone might want me to draw a trend line like this and say, we broke the neckline a long time ago. Right? You could draw another trend line like that. <laughs> right? It broke down without even making a shoulder. The second shoulder is below the original what would have been S&P type of neckline. That just shows you how weak the NASDAQ 100 is. Whoops. And let's zoom out for a minute. So we're risk monitor red here. Now the market's extending lower. Why is this happening? Why is the NASDAQ so weak? All you got to do is look at bonds. Bonds are imploding. Growth stocks are most affected when rates skyrocket. Corporate bonds, total annihilation. You may recall I wrote this back here, and I did a video for you guys back here, that the breakdown in um, corporate investment grade is going to wreck the Qs. The first breakdown here wrecked the ARC funds. The second breakdown is going to wreck the Qs, and that's exactly what's happened. So how do we deal with this information? Risk monitor's red. How did we act last week? What was our process? And if you're 
trading with us on the live trading desk. You'd see us do this. You'd understand I'm literally talking it out as I go. So you can always consider subscribing and becoming a partner here at the Armour Report. Um, I do want to say, don't forget, if you enjoy this video, go ahead and share it. You can hit the like button. That's up to you, whatever. But really what you want to do is bring in other like-minded individuals onto our live trading desk as we build our virtual hedge fund. And we gather information together. So if you enjoy this, go ahead. Share it out there. Um, portfolio changes. What did we do last week and how did we do it? Let's go to the videotape, as Warner Wolf used to say, for those of you who understand that joke. Hmm. Not a joke, sub-reference. All right. Um, so you know the portfolio was chock full of commodity names. So what we've been doing is adding alpha all year because we've been focused on the commodity super cycle. Well, newsflash, last week, commodities turned red and they got sucked down the riptide of the bear market of 2022 that we're seeing in the rest of the equity market. Do I love the commodity stocks? Do I think they're going to have a huge year? Are there going to be other opportunities? Absolutely. Absolutely there will. But in every rally, there are shakeouts trying to get rid of weak holders. And when the market really starts to go down, nothing survives. The proverbial baby and the bathwater, everything gets thrown out. So let's just go over a couple of charts of what was in our portfolio and how we exited last week. Okay? Um, let's touch on uranium because we did a whole piece on uranium about why we were buying uranium stocks as they were breaking out, right? Before they broke out. All right? So things like... We talked all about this two weeks ago and how we were buying uranium right in here, right? This is UUUU. We were buying it right in here. And it blew out and it looked like it was going to be a huge run for us, right? Immediately reversed. Here's a newsflash. If you're new to the Armour Report, you don't know this. This is very important. And for all of you who have been here for a while, I want to share it again. No matter what I say on Saturday, we use stop losses to protect ourselves, period, end of story. It doesn't matter how great I think the idea is. It doesn't matter how much I'm pounding the table on the fundamentals. The single core value of the armor report is to protect capital first. We don't want to force our will on the market. So no matter how great that entry point was in uranium, which it was great, Pennant breakouts. We bought it early. We were making money across the board. Had a huge week. Out of all of them early last week, they reversed. Out of all of them. What are you going to do? I can't argue with the market. Breakout reversal. When you buy down here and it blows out, you raise your stop to break even. It comes back down. You get out. You can see why. Right? So we're out up here. Very frustrating. Oh, what a disappointing day. And then you look a couple days later and you say, wow, that was a great exit. Good thing I'm out. Okay? We booked a nice profit in UEC. You know, you make your money when you buy it, not when you sell it. So if you bought UEC down here with us and it blew out, we're selling it up here. Okay. We made some money. Made some money in UEC. Thing implodes. 
It's nothing to do with uranium. It's got nothing to do with commodities. It's got to do with a head and shoulders breakdown of epic proportion on the indexes. It's got to do with a risk monitor red signal. When we're risk monitor red, and this is really what helps us execute, understanding the big picture of the market you're in. We've been risk monitor red since the 11th, but we're trading anyway. We're still long all commodity stocks. But in the back of my mind, I know something's wrong with the market. And if it gets ugly enough, everything's going down. So when it starts to sell off, we're out. We're moving out fast. Okay? This, this gets to a point we were discussing a couple of armor insiders, even this morning in our Slack room, about how to trade more effectively so that so you don't give back as much. Okay? I know that's always the thought. So, so here's, let's just take a look at, at, you know, CCJ, right? The idea is, where do you want to sell your CCJ? Everybody wants to sell it up here, right? You always want to sell it at the high, okay? But you don't know it's the high until you have a huge down couple days, okay? So you don't know it's the high. Instead, what you have is a great chart pattern that's breaking out and grinding higher. So here are my thoughts on selling early, okay? Here are my thoughts. Number one. The big picture over a long period of time investing is that you have to ride your winners. Don't fall victim to a difficult market we're in right now and think that I should just sell things when they go to new highs. That, that will be totally detrimental to your long-term performance. That's a fact. You've got to ride your winners as hard as you can and cut your losses. So let's talk about a caveat. If we're risk monitor red, I'm looking at you, Ares. This is, this is a conversation we were having. If you're risk monitor red and your portfolio blows out to new highs and you want to take some off the table, I get it. That makes a lot of sense. Because you know the risk monitor is red, so something's wrong. I don't arbitrarily take new highs as a reason to book profits. What I would do is say, because guess what? Risk monitor was red, but on Wednesday, we were a day or two away from risk monitor green. Okay? If the market had moved higher into the end of the week, the risk monitor would have gone green. Don't forget that. So while the net worth is exploding to new highs, the markets are obviously up. And if they follow through by the end of the week, you might have a risk monitor green signal. And you're going to want to ride those winners. So... Here's my thought. Instead of just automatically selling as it hits a new high, which will end up long-term capping your gains, which is something that's going to be dangerous to your performance, okay? What you want to do is raise a stop to an aggressive level. And that way, if it wants to keep running, let it run. But if it reverses, you could take it out. You're always going to give away some of the top. You're never going to sell the top, right? So you could take, let's say, half the position and raise your stop. So again, let's look at let's look at um, CCJ, for instance. Here's the you know it's breaking out. It runs up here. It puts in like a little uh, doji stone right here for technical analysis of you know, you know, candlestick charting, right? Pops up right here, all right? And what you might do is put in some type of a Sell, I don't know, 25% of the position right in here. 
these three days are up at the doji stone, maybe you put a sell 25% of the position. It comes down, hits it, you're out of 25%. And you might raise the rest of your stop to a profitable position. That way, if it holds here, this up day turns into an explosion higher, you still have 75% of the position on. But the minute it takes out the low of that day, you're gone from the rest of your position. So there's different ways to do it. I commend anybody who's trying to make themselves a better investor, better trader, wants to focus on how to book profits faster. But consider using raised stops for a certain part of the portfolio position to allow for a skyrocket. Because every now and then you're going to get on a skyrocket and you don't want to limit that. And they won't hit the stop. They won't come back down. But if it does, boom, you book a piece and you raise the, the rest of your position to a higher stop. All right. So just r- rushing through the portfolio here. All right. GDX, gold stocks. All right. I'm not, I'm not going to look at every stock in our portfolio. I'm going to look at the ETFs and you can get an idea um, of what we're doing with the stocks in the portfolio. So we're long GDX type of stocks down here. It runs up, makes a pennant, blows out, looks great, reverses. We're out of everything on Thursday. We're out of everything on Thursday. So let's shift now to how to execute in a difficult market. How to use the armor report, okay? How to use the armor report. A lot of guys share information on the Internet, on YouTube, everywhere. And when I ever, whenever I follow somebody, I kind of get annoyed with all of the talk and no discussion of how do I use this information to make money and protect money. That's all I care about. So that's what this segment of the show is about right now. How to use the arm report to protect capital. This is what we're doing. Okay? Step one, risk monitor red. The 11th of April. Something's wrong with the market. We're still investing. Okay? Step two, shot across the bow on Monday. Right? Take a look here. You can see on GDX, the gap down here. This was the reversal day. Gap down. All right. Recovery on Wednesday. And so what I'm looking at here is I'm saying, okay, as long as it holds here, I'm going to give it some time. But I've raised my stop on everything. We own these stocks down here. All right. I'll give you an example. Just Newmont. I promised I wouldn't go through all the charts. But we own Newmont in here. Huge run. Down day. Doesn't look good. Okay. When it starts to sell off, our stop has been raised to the 25-day moving average or the 50. We used the 25-day and exited everything on Thursday. Our portfolio literally went from 100% invested in the growth portfolio to 80% cash by the end of the day Thursday, and we added a position in VIX, which I'm going to show you in a minute, and I'm going to go over why. How do we use the ARM report to manage capital? How can you use it as a guide to help you understand the markets? It starts like this. Risk monitor red. We know there's something wrong. We keep investing. Okay, we keep investing. But we raise all of our stops to more aggressive exits. We don't care if it's a gold stock or an energy stock 
uranium stock. It doesn't make a difference what the company does. When we're risk monitor red, and we know that in bear markets, everything goes down at once when it starts to happen, we execute. Now, on the live trading desk, what we saw happening on Thursday was so disturbing that it helped us recognize that we've got to sell everything. And we shared this on the live desk. I'm going to show you what we talked about. Okay? Let's go look at the S&P. I'm not going to go over every chart. I'm trying to keep this to 30 minutes, and then we can get to your questions. Okay? We've had two. And what you're looking at now is the Armor, um, Armor Day Trading Algorithm that we use. So on the live desk, I'm sharing this screen all day, literally all day. The market opens. We, we carry it all the way to the close. Um, and we're sharing ideas all the way to the close, okay? And what we were seeing on Thursday was a gap up and a 100% down day. What that means to me, I was saying to you guys on the desk, this is a 100% down day. I'm shocked. I wasn't short on Thursday. I wasn't short. I kept looking for short entries, and it didn't give me one. Straight down. Typically, what you'll see, and you're looking at a three-minute bar chart now, this black dot is the volume-weighted average price. Typically, what the market will do is, if it's a sell-off day, it'll sell off and then rally back to the VWAP, give me an opportunity to short, break down again. It didn't do that yet on Thursday. It was straight down all day with nothing more than a 15-minute rally a couple of times during the day as it totally imploded. And what I was sharing on the desk while that was happening, number one, the risk monitor is already red. We know something's wrong. Number two, every single asset's getting killed, including commodities. Number three, commodities are the only pillar of strength holding this market up. It's where we've been creating alpha. Number four, we cannot afford to be a deer in the headlights at this moment. This is what I was sharing with Armor Insiders as it was happening. Don't be the deer in the headlights. Something's seriously wrong with the market. We have to execute. We have to exit. I'll give you an example. I have um, a basic rule, you guys know this, that um, I generally don't sell something. I don't let the stock get hit until after 11.30. But we were selling stocks in the first hour on Thursday. This being one of the examples. This was a great pennant formation. We bought it right here. So, again, it's where, where you buy things is how you protect capital. You don't want to stretch form. We bought it here. It went up. It came back. It was hitting our stop, which is break-even, and it gapped below break-even. We were out of this trade in the first half hour of trading, which I almost never do. It was the gap down. I usually wait. I said, I'm not waiting for this. Something's seriously wrong in the market, and it got crushed all day. Okay? So the way to use the armor report, first of all, if you're live on the desk with me, I'm going to walk you through this, and we're going to share information and talk about what's happening. But you start with the risk monitor, so you know there's something dangerous about the market. You watch what's happening. You read and react to the market behavior, and you can see something's not right. 
Every stock is being sold aggressively. If you were watching it with us on Thursday, growth stocks, innovative stocks, well, we're used to them going down. Commodity stocks, everything was getting wrecked at once. That's a footprint of institutional selling, and we have to act. So the Armour Report helps us not be that deer in the headlights of, I don't know what to do. That guy who falls back on, yeah, but the fundamentals are great. Fundamentals mean nothing when the market's imploding. It's a liquidity question. It's not a question of fundamentals. It's about liquidity of supply and demand. Okay? So, boom. Market implodes, and by the end of the day, we're 80% cash in our growth portfolio. And so now I want to say to you, how do we use the armor report? This is something I want to I'm going to end on this note because it's so important to me. I'm going to show you VIX right now because I want to show you that trade we got in and why we're still long VIX. Then I want you to really consider what I'm saying about how to structure a portfolio for you. It's a personal question. At the end of the day, just to round out this thought, we built a position in VIX. Now, those of you who know me know that I never, almost never, hold VIX, and I rarely trade VIX. I like to say to you guys, if VIX was great, I'd rather short the market. That's where I'm more comfortable, okay? But we were buying VIX at the end of the day Thursday. And I want to give a shout-out right now to an Armour Insider, Brian OG, who had a a buy-stop order in the market on VIX at the lows and got filled on Thursday morning. That was brilliant, man. I love that idea. Because as you can see, VIX trades in a range, right? So when it comes down, he got filled and had a huge day on Thursday. Okay, that's a great idea. I got to think about that in a few minutes. But for the sake of this conversation, when we saw what was going on in the market, how to use the ARM report to protect capital and make money. Here's an example. On the desk while it's happening, I'm saying to you guys, something's terribly wrong with the market. We're having a 100% down day. All our stocks are hitting their stops. And in my experience, whenever that happens, I've been doing something like 35 years professionally, okay? The market has a high probability of going lower the next day. And I mean aggressively lower. The probability is very high. This is what I was saying on the desk at probably 3.30 on Thursday. I was saying to you guys, 3.30 Thursday. The probability is the market's down Friday, 90%. Every time I've seen something like this, which is institutional abandonment of the stock market in every asset, the market goes lower the next day. So that's a day where I'll buy VIX. And you probably, some of you probably thought I was crazy because VIX was already up big, right? But we were buying VIX at the end of the day. And then just to share with you how we you know, day trade, we were buying VIX at the end of the day yesterday, uh, um, excuse me, Thursday, which you might think is crazy because look how much it was up, right? It was up huge. I didn't, I didn't make any money on that, but I bought it at the end of the day, okay? And then I increased the position, I don't know, maybe I, maybe I increased it about triple right here in the morning. This is the armor moving average, this yellow line. So this is one of my favorite ways to day trade, and it works with many different asset classes, and VIX is just another example. When we go from 
in case you're wondering, some of you on the desk with me wondering why I got so aggressive on VIX yesterday morning. When we go from below the armor moving average to above it, which we did on Thursday, and consolidate right on it the following day, it's a no-brainer entry for me, right? I try to put myself on the right side of probabilities when reward is worth risk. If I triple my position right here, my stop is this yellow line. So my risk is limited, and I know when we go from below to above the armor moving average, the, there can be an explosive move. So my reward can be significant. My risk is limited. I, I act. You hear me say this over and over again. That's, that's the, the entire decision for me. Before I hit the button, am I on the right side of probabilities and is a reward worth risk? Yes, put the money to work. Stop thinking about it. Don't let inertia get in the way of a good decision. Okay? So put the capital to work here. Had a huge day carrying um, about half the position overnight for, um, for Monday. Okay, don't know. If I had to guess, I think the market's probably going to gap up Monday morning. That's right, I just said it's going to gap up Monday morning. Most people think it's probably going to gap down Monday morning, and it could. But we have a plunge protection team. This isn't 1987 again. And my guess is they're going to be out there aggressively buying futures uh, Sunday night, trying to goose the market Monday morning and slow down the decline. The plunge protection team, the U.S. You know, Treasury, they can't stop the market from going down. But what they can do is slow the descent. They want to stop the panic. So after the 1987 crash, where the market opened down Monday morning 25%, Ronald Reagan put together the plunge protection team and said, we don't ever want to live through this again, so how do we stop the market from dropping 25% overnight? And they have circuit breakers, and they have all different manipulative ways to control uh, the, the equity indexes, okay? And, and while I don't like that, at the same time, nobody wants to see a 25% collapse in the market. So, okay, so they, they control the decline. That's, so my guess is the market will be up Monday morning. Um, I have a half of my position on VIX overnight because my guess could be wrong. It was a disgusting close of a major head and shoulders top and the market could plummet Monday morning. So if it plummets Monday morning, I'm going to look to probably get long the market because I think the plunge protection team comes in and it rallies and that'll be my day trade for the day. If it gaps up Monday morning, I'll be looking to get short and double my VIX position because I'll expect the market to uh, sell off hard on Monday. So. Those are my thoughts. Let's get to your questions right after this discussion. How do you use the ARM report? Well, one thing I've done is create these four portfolios for you because I discovered this is how I run my own money. I have a dividend portfolio, a growth portfolio, an ETF swing trading portfolio, and an Armour algo portfolio, which is just the indexes. So as an Armour insider, you could see the allocation, looking at our spreadsheet. And I just want to submit to you that if you had a day, Thursday or Friday, where you're just sick and you're throwing up, you know, I can't believe how awful that was, that I would submit to you your, your allocation is geared way too much towards growth. And your personality might not like it. So what I say for Armour Insiders that are you're just starting out using the Armour Report, here are the four portfolios. It's totally feasible, 
And I'm not telling you how to run money, so let's go through all those disclaimers again. Do whatever you want, whatever suits your tolerance, and all those things. So are we all adults? Can I say this? Because we all understand that I'm not telling you how to invest, okay? But here's the armor report. There's four portfolios. If you're, if you're unsure what your personality is, then you take a piece of each of the portfolios and you literally manage the assets like that for a year. Then you look back at your performance at the end of the year. And you see, how did that feel? Which portfolio talked to you more? Which did you like more? And you start adding more capital to that endeavor, and maybe you reduce or stop, stop the other endeavors, right? I know some portfolios, I, mean, I manage money for individuals, and I try to help. I try to do this with individuals. It's hard to do, right? Because it's, it's, it's hard for me to mind read somebody else. But some portfolios might be 50% dividend stocks, 50% growth stocks. It's two totally different styles of management. On Thursday, when the market was plummeting, our dividend stocks were up. Our dividend portfolio was up. Now, of course, Friday got wrecked with the whole market. Okay? We don't exit anything in the dividend portfolio until the end of the week. We use weekly stops. We don't follow the risk monitor. I have three other portfolios that follow the risk monitor religiously. So the dividend portfolio is a different way to run money. I buy beat-up dividend stocks when the yields pop, and I ride them for all they're worth. Okay? For somebody very conservative, you might fall in love with the Armour Index-only portfolio. It's 100% cash. You didn't lose any money last week. I mean, it was 100% cash the prior week. Now, that portfolio might upset you if you watch uranium and precious metals skyrocket and you don't have any because you're 100% cash because the risk monitor is red. Well, then that's not for you. But I know other Armour insiders who follow it religiously and it makes them comfortable. It's just, okay, risk monitor is red. I don't put money to work. It's green. I start putting money to work. So I ask you, I'm respectfully asking you to do the work that you have to do yourself. Nobody can do it for you. Structure a portfolio that suits your risk tolerance, your goals, and your personality. And then you can weather any storm. And while your growth portfolio gets hit last week, and that's disappointing, you're carrying a lot of cash going into the week if you're following the other disciplines. So it's not the end of the world. You have a blended performance. Okay? Think about that this weekend because probably you have a lot of cash now. You probably raised a lot of cash if you're, if you're actively managing your assets and you're protecting and you look at those huge head and shoulders breakdowns. So we're going to get time to put money to work again. And when you're putting that money out, are you going to do the same exact thing you just did that made you sick? I hope you don't. I hope you say, wait a minute, I don't want that experience again. So how can I change it? All right, here are four portfolios. The Armour Report, maybe I'm going to allocate to these three, a third, a third, a third, and see what suits me and over time gear my portfolio there. Okay? That's my goal. That's my hope when I created the Armour Report for you. That's part of my hope. So thanks for spending time with me. Let's jump into the Q&A, and I'll try to cover as much as I can um, with your, uh, of your questions. All right, so... Buying a dip in oil and natural gas like rig and HP. All right, so great question, JJ. Yes, um, 
I, I hated selling the HP. Okay, I, I sold it here. I sold it here on Thursday because I just sold everything Thursday because uh, what, what we already discussed. Okay, and so I had my stop all the way up here. That's what that line is. I raised it up here and I got stopped out. So that's it. I can't wait to buy back the energy stocks. Okay, oops, I sold the rig because we're watching pennants break down. Right, so we're not waiting for this pennant to break down. We're going to get out before it breaks down. You can see it's broken down. Right, these were great chart patterns. They're all going to succumb to a bear market. It doesn't matter how great the pattern is. This is a, a fatal flaw of many investors. They have chart patterns they fall in love with, and they won't admit when they're going the opposite way. They forget the chart patterns aren't crystal balls. They're just a, 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 an analysis of the buyers and the sellers going to do battle. The sellers won in rig. You don't sit and hold it because you think, well, it, 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 should, it looks great. It should go up. Right? And the other thing, of course, is the, the, the market implodes and you start thinking, well, the fundamentals are great. That's just death. Don't believe me. Just ask Kathy. You know, fundamentals are great all the way down. You know, market's got it wrong. Market's got it wrong. Ooh, those are dangerous words. Market's got it wrong. All right. So, but to answer your question, JJ, um, I, I can't wait to own energy stocks again. I think the commodity bull market is real. I think we've had our first rush. And let's be honest, it was like December, January, February, March. We had some huge gains because of that. And now it's, they're coming down because the whole market's imploding. And those will be the first places I go to put money to work again because I think the commodity bull market is real and it's going to last all year. So just booking profits, stepping out, waiting for the next opportunity. Uh, good morning. How are you, my friend? <laughs> I saw Jerry and Toto. I love it. Hey, thanks so much. I appreciate that. I'm, me, Journey, and Toto, I'm in great company. That's just, that's phenomenal. I'm going to put that all over the website. <laughs> ID Doc, how are you, man? I was wondering how you're doing. It's hard to believe the commodity super cycle is over. It's not over. It's not over. Who said it was over? Um, I think it will pull back in the market uh, and will be the first to recover. I couldn't agree more, Mo. There's no way the commodity bull market's over. It's just... This is the thing that people don't understand, and so they'll just ride things all the way down. If the bear market really gets claws, everything is going down together. And what we'll see on our desk, Mo, what we'll be doing for our whiteboard, and this is what I love about bear markets and corrections or whatever you want to call them, the cream rises to the top, okay? This is important. This is what we do. We'll be doing this all day in the live trading desk in the Slack room, sharing this information, building our whiteboard based on relative strength. So what will happen is the market will be imploding, and I suspect that some of our favorite commodity plays will have rising relative strength. They'll be going down, but not as much as the market. So the relative strength will start going up, and that will show us where we want to go when the next risk monitor green flips. The first thing we'll do is start buying the high relative strength stocks. There'll be, there'll be relative strength that's breaking out as the stocks are going down. That, that'll be a no-brainer because relative strength leads price. 
That'll be our sole focus on the desk as the market's going lower. Which commodity names should we own? Because it won't be all of them, though. Some are going to go down. Some will be worse than the market. But there'll be certain groups and sectors. I want, to, I want to take a moment to talk to you about this. I forgot to talk about it in the opening remarks. So those of you who are still with me, you're going to get a little extra piece here, and maybe I'll break it out and create a, a video just for everybody to, to think about this. This was this is there's a very disturbing trend taking place in the commodity mining space around the world. So this is the only caveat, Mo. Not so much a caveat. Commodity bull market's here. How do we invest in it? That's the question. I want to show you a couple charts. Okay. FCX, Indonesia, right? Huge Indonesia exposure. Total destruction. Okay. Um, Pan American. Pan American's been locked in a downtrend and underperforming for a, a long time. Okay. Um, we saw the lithium stocks take it in the neck. Look like they were going to break out. They're imploding. Okay. So this is what I want to submit to you. We're getting a disturbing nationalization trend around the world. Peru talking about nationalizing their mines. Mexico nationalizes its lithium. It decides that the lithium is a product, um, um, an asset reserved for the Mexican government. Critical asset. This is very disturbing to me. How far away are we from Indonesia deciding all the copper and the copper mines are theirs? At the end of the day, the mining company, you could say I'm being overly, um, I don't know, what's the word I'm looking for, but... Um, Pollyanna? I don't know. I don't know what the word is I'm looking for. But you could say that I, I'm not fear-mongering, okay? But what I am saying is there is a disturbing trend. Starts in Peru. Maybe it goes to Chile. Now Mexico's deciding lithium, something that should be Mexican governments. How far away are they from saying silver is an important metal that uh, the Mexican government needs? I mean, I don't know. That's probably crazy. They probably won't do it. There's a huge precious metals lobby down there, but who knows? How far away is Indonesia? Are you watching what's going on in Sri Lanka? Right? I mean, governments are imploding. One great way to shore up your balance sheet is to steal hard assets. It's a crazy thought, but if the stocks of the mining companies start to really underperform, well, no, it's not so crazy. And so the way we're going to want to invest, Mo, coming out of this sell-off, is to own the physical metal. There's two positions I still have in my growth portfolio. I still have it in my index-only portfolio. I mean, excuse me, my ETF portfolio. It's Sprott Physical Gold and Silver. And they're going down. I have an allocation about half a position size, so I could double that position. So I'm giving them a lot of room, let them come down, and I might double those positions. And I'm starting to lean towards Sprott 
uranium, I'm starting to lean towards if we see the mining stocks really underperform and we see nationalizations going on, then what I want to own are the physical metals because when you get governments nationalizing mines, production of the mine goes down dramatically. Happens all the time through history, which means price of the underlying asset goes through the roof. So while I've been focused on miners, the next go-round, I might be focused on the physical. I might just take big positions in physical and not even trade the miners. Or it puts a premium on miners that are in countries where the rule of law is upheld. United States of America, hopefully Canada. I don't know what's going on with Trudeau, but let's pretend Canada for now. Australia. If the mine is in those areas, there may be a premium on those stocks. So we'll start to see relative outperformance for a mining stock where the assets are here in the U.S. So while they're being nationalized elsewhere, institutional investors are buying the mining companies here in the U.S. and Canada. So you ask a question about it's a commodity super cycle, and I think that there's many layers to how to invest going forward in what is a treacherous market and a treacherous world right now. What do I think about Twitter? Um, I love Elon Musk. I've gone from a guy who hated Elon Musk, thinking he was crazy, to understanding him more and doing a lot of, I guess, a lot more research. And, and, and I just think he's brilliant, and I think he's probably John Galt and Hank Reardon all rolled up into one. Um, I hope you guys get that sub-reference. It's one of the best books of all time. Everybody should read it if you haven't read it. And I'm going to let somebody else put into the room what the title is of that book. It will be disappointing if nobody knows it. Um, you can ask me on Twitter. Maybe I'll answer if nobody knows it. All right. Um, so there's no way I'm going to get involved in investing in a stock where these titans are going to do battle and argue and poison pill and all this other crazy stuff. I got more fish. To, I got other fish to fry. I got more risks I have to deal with. I can't even possibly discount the risks that are going on in Twitter. I love Elon Musk, okay, but he could come out tomorrow and say, I've decided to dump my Twitter stake. I, I can't help this company. The stock plummets. I, how am I supposed to discount that risk? So I'm about, you know, Mo, get on the right side of probability when reward is worth risk. I can't figure out the probability here and the reward and risk. I don't even know what that is. I don't even know what that looks like. I would say the risk is worse. We already know what the takeout price is. So that's the reward. So the risk is the thing on implodes. So I won't be touching that. WCBS. <laughs> yeah. That's a Warner Wolf guy, right? Let's go to the videotape. Hit the like button. Yeah, guys, hit the like button. But more importantly, Saber, and I appreciate you saying that, hit the like button. Guys, share this link, right? Share the ARM report. Bring smart people in, and it makes our community stronger, right? It makes our virtual hedge fund even better. Um, all right. Do you see gold and silver going up with uh, miners going down? or Yeah. So this is this is the this is the question. Um, there's physical gold. It's still in the chart pattern. The miners. So 
Look, um, typically miners lead the metal um, in a normal world, so my guess is the metal's coming down. Um, but we're not really in a normal world, and I don't really have an answer to that question right now. I still own them in the portfolio, so I guess that's the answer to the question. I think they can hold up at higher levels, and I think it's possible they can end up going higher if things get ugly elsewhere. And so that's why I still own them for now. Uh, but I only own a, a, a piece of a position that I could see. I could see doubling or even tripling my position size from what I own right now. So does that make sense? I have a piece on. But if you go back and look at the pandemic, um, 2020 is an example saver. When the market started to implode, everything went down. Excuse me. Even precious metals prices. They cratered with the market. But then gold and silver were the first to start going up. So in 2020, March 2020, at the Armour Report, we were loading up on precious metal stocks at the bottom. And that was the first group to explode. So they will go down when the initial selling gets ugly because everything gets sold. You get margin calls. You get liquidity crisis. Everything goes down. And then they're the first to rip higher. And I believe they can make higher lows. So I'm, I, I, I think I'm long-term on spot physical gold and silver in my portfolio now. I have long-term long positions, long-term capital gains right now, I think. I know I do in some portfolios. So, like, I'm not trading it, you know. I'm, I'm just leaving it alone and letting it climb up. That, that's, that's what I'm doing there. Oh, there, I just answered your question. Yeah, there you go. There you go. That was a great question, Saber. Casey, how you doing? Um, thoughts on a possible double bottom play on FMGU. All right, let's take a look. FNGU. Bang, three-time leverage. Wow, I would stay away from that chart pattern. So, um, bottom line, Casey, I don't ever try to catch a falling knife. I have algorithms that tell me when to execute. I could put my algorithm to work on this asset, and I can tell you right now, it would tell me to stay away from that chart pattern. And if it sets up, I might get involved. But so if you're asking, what was your question? Is it, you're asking thoughts on a possible double bottom. Okay, so there's a possible double bottom because it's gone down and made a new low. But that means it has to immediately reverse next week, right? When you make a new low and a double bottom, it has to hit the make. Preferably, I like higher lows. That tells me the buyers are coming in faster. So what's telling you here is the sellers are still in control because it made a new low, okay? But if it immediately reverses next week and you get that double bottom look, maybe it's something to trade. We could try to trade it on our live trading desk, okay? But um, I, anything's possible. So let's, we have to just keep looking at it together. You know, join us on the desk. Let me know. Don't let me forget about it. And we'll, we'll, we'll put it up there and see if it's something um, that we want to trade. Hey, Stuart, how you doing? Lara, we missed you. The head and shoulders pattern, does it um, usually drop to the original base? Oh, okay. You want to do that? You want to do that game? You want to figure out how far down the market can go? Jeez, you know what, Larry? It's not. 
I call it a game because here at the Armour Report, the last thing I try to do is predict what's going to happen next. Because then what happens is my ego gets in the way, right? And I can't admit when I'm wrong. And I've said, and I get over that because my ego, I get out of the way. Okay. But then somebody hears what I say on Saturday and the market reverses and starts going up and they can't react to it because they're sure what I said Saturday is right. Okay. So it's not right. The market's going to do whatever it wants to do, regardless of my opinion. Now, having said that, that's a nasty, large head and shoulders on a weekly level. I would expect significant downside, and I'll leave it at that. I don't know what the target is of where it unravels to. I don't think you can look at that chart and say, well, it should go down, I don't know, um, it should go down into this area in here or something. I don't think you can do that because what will stop the market from going down is the Fed changing its tune. The Fed will say, we're done raising rates. We're going to think of having liquidity again. And the market will rip higher and the chart pattern won't matter. This, this head and shoulders pattern that you're looking at right here, it won't go down if the Fed comes out Monday morning and says, we've decided we've made a mistake and we think we have to add liquidity again. Market will go to all-time new highs. The market is a voting machine based on liquidity. That's it. Everything else we do is fun. It's noise. Okay? You can do all the fundamental research in the world you want. At the end of the day, it's a liquidity mechanism. Liquidity is being drained from the system. As long as that's happening, the market's going low. With, sub, with, with occasional bouts of enthusiasm and rallies off of the low, which is normal because you get oversold, you get a bounce, right? So I have no idea how far down this will go. Um, but I do want to show you this. I've talked about this a lot on our live desk, and, um, and for those of you on, on the weekend here sharing some time with me, I want to show you um, another reason why we were so aggressive to sell on Thursday and we were so aggressive to add um, a VIX position, okay? Maybe you guys remember this. I've had this conversation with all of you before. So it's good that you brought this up. I've had this conversation before with you guys. Um, we can look back at 2015 and 2018 when the Fed was raising rates and reducing liquidity to get an idea of what the market does when liquidity gets taken away. I've been saying for the last X amount of weeks that I think we're going to see 2018 repeated in some fashion. And what happened last week confirms that opinion of mine. So again, this is an opinion. This is just me making a guess. I could be totally wrong. Don't sit there like a deer in the headlights if the market does something else. But I think, you know, you're all, anybody who's still with me after 60 minutes of discussing this on a Saturday understands that point, all right? But um, so let's just zoom into 2018 again, the last time the Fed was raising rates. And I think this is where we are in the cycle. I've, I've told you, you guys, break down, double bottom, rally back above all the key moving averages. Okay? That's what we just went through. Thursday was this down day where it went from above all the moving averages to below all the moving averages in one day. 
and look what happened in the ensuing weeks. And the only thing that stopped the market from going down is that the Fed announced they were done raising rates and they were going to start adding liquidity again. That's the only thing that stopped the market from imploding. So look at what happened in 2018. The double bottom rally off the, 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 above all the moving averages, then a collapse. I remember this. We were risk monitor green right in here, and then it collapsed, and we had to go back to cash, and then it imploded. So look at this bar, huge bar going above, below the moving averages. Now let's zoom out and go back to, um, go back to the action of... Um, of Thursday, okay? And you can see this is another reason why we were so aggressive to sell on Thursday. Because the S&P was above all the moving averages in the morning. This is the standard 200-day, is the gray line, the 50-day is the black, the 25-day is the uh, um, red, the 14-day is the blue, and the uh, green here is the exponential 200-day. On this day, look, you can see it. It looks just like 2018. It went from above all the moving averages to close below all the moving averages in one day. And that is why, ladies and gentlemen, I was sharing with you on the live desk Thursday at the close, I'm buying VIX because I've seen that before, 2018. And the market was down big the next day. And that's exactly what happened on Friday. The long-winded question, answer to your question there of where it's going to go. I don't know where it's going to go. It'll stop when the Fed decides to start adding liquidity. AT&T. Um, AT&T, Sean, I'm a big fan of AT&T. I'm a big fan of Verizon, even though Verizon went down with earnings. I don't care about the short-term earnings stories of Verizon and AT&T. I think that um, the stocks are done going down. I think they're making a base, and I think I'm going to hold on to the stocks and collect my yield. And Verizon looked really ugly. I mean, that was a really ugly response to earnings. But if you look at Verizon stock, all it did was pop up here. You know, here's the bottom. It ran up, and then the earnings announcement, whatever, but the market was getting crushed. So a part of the sell-off in, in Verizon, it, you know, part of the sell-off was just the market getting crushed. So I like AT&T and Verizon down here. I know we're getting late, but just a fun little anecdotal story. Um, from a fundamental point of view, lightning hit my house, blew out my cable, um, blew out my internet, I had to deal with that, went to the Verizon store. I'm a Verizon customer with the Verizon store. They gave me a cube this big. Okay? I don't know about you guys, but with my cable, internet comes into the house, then I have to you know, figure out how to spread that Wi-Fi all over the house because it's too weak, so i got to have a whole stack of different routers, which inevitably can't find the IP address half the time, you know, and I just feel like I'm banging my head through a wall constantly. I just can't stand it, right? So I go into Verizon. They give me this little box. It's a 5G ultra-wideband box. I plug it into my house. Okay? And I have a fairly large, okay, one box spreads a 5G ultra-wideband network uh, uh, um, uh, signal all throughout my house, all the way up to the bedroom, all the way down to the garage. I don't need a single router 
and it goes as fast as the cable coming into my house. Now, I don't know when Verizon and AT&T stock is going to go up a lot, but I know they've just spent a boatload of money over the last couple of years to roll out a product that only cost me $25 a month to have wicked fast internet speeds with zero routers and zero downtime. I don't know about where you are, but my cable constantly, oh, it works, then it doesn't work, then there'll be a, be a day where for some reason it shuts down, they don't know why, but then they got to come work on it. Okay, Verizon Network's not like that where I am. It just works constantly. I don't know, at some point, they're going to monetize that. They've just started rolling out this product now. It, they're going to monetize it. And, and long term, I think Verizon and AT&T down here, after they've already spent all of their money to roll out this product somewhere in here. So this is a whiteboard conversation. Verizon and AT&T is a whiteboard conversation. They're in my dividend portfolio now because they're down big. The yields are at levels that make it attractive to me, and I put them in the portfolio. You mentioned a few stops today. Entry price, 25A, moving on. All right, um, how, do you, right, how do you think about stop levels? How often do you rethink stop levels? Bleachers, this is a great idea. This is probably something Eris is, is touching on and, and um, other Armour Insiders were chatting about. I think Richard was in there chatting about it today. We're all different animals, okay? We're all different, we're all different traders. I, I personally subscribe to, I'm not selling something that's going up a lot just because I'm afraid it might come down. So I let things run and I accept the fact that there's going to be a terrible day out there somewhere. And as long as I don't deer in the headlight at that day, as long as I act that day, and as long as I take money off the table that day, then the portfolio did what it was capable of doing. So um, stops are an interesting animal. You know, it, it's, a, it's something that's personal. Um, I use the 14-day, the 25-day, the 50-day, and the 200-day. It depends on the type of asset. Sprott physical gold, Sprott physical silver, 200-day moving average is my stop. Okay? Uranium stocks, the 14-day moving average, 25-day moving average is my stock. My stop. In other words, in other words, the more aggressive the price movement, the more aggressive my stop will be. Let's go over armor stops. When I buy a position, I have a stop. I call that the principal protection stop. It's almost always the low of the day I bought it or the low of the day before. Then the stock goes up a certain amount, and I raise my stop to break even. That doesn't guarantee I get out of break even. Some of these stocks crashed right through break even. All right, so I was taking some losses on a couple positions. That's the way it goes. But Theoretically, you're up there at break-even, maybe a little bit above break-even to give you a cushion. After the stock has gone up enough, you say to me, well, what's enough? I can't give you a single number because if it's a high beta stock, you know, it could be 20% is what gets me to raise it. If it's Caterpillar and Deer, it might be a 10% move. You follow me? So market cap, beta changes how fast I'll change the stock, how aggressive a move is. Then I'll go to a trailed stop. Once I start really making money, I, I wouldn't call it trail because it's not true trailer. But once the, 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 the um, moving averages start to fan out, I'll give you an example. Let's go look at um, 
I don't know. Uh, let's go look at uh, Newmont. Did Newmont do it? Yeah. So what you start down here uh, on Newmont, you start down here, and all the moving averages are tight to the to the um, same location, which is why one of the reasons why we buy down there, right? Because the stop is so obvious. If it goes below all the moving averages, the story's over. So that's where you want to buy. You want to buy when the moving averages are all bunched together, like here, like here. And then they widen out. See, all of a sudden they spread out in a fan formation. Here's the 200-day, 50-day, 25, 14. So when that starts happening, you could start raising your stops. You could use the 14-day. I used the 25-day. So when it blew below, the, I was going to use the 50, but it was such an aggressive sell-off that day. And because of everything else that was going on, I just I sold everything. But it went below the 25-day. So we bought it here. We let it run up here. I'm not trying to get the top, but I say, okay, it goes below the 25-day and I'm out. And then, of course, it cratered below the 50. It's a good thing I wasn't waiting for the 50. Okay? So... That's something that over time you'll get used to if you want to join us in the live trading desk. You know, we're live all day. And part of why I'm live all day is to share information and to teach the process. It's not, it's not just a day trading strategy. It, this is about investing. It's about protecting capital. It's about capturing upside. It's about learning how to do it. And I'm trying to share with you all the stuff I've learned over 35 years of doing it. Okay? So I talk it through all day. And depending on the asset, you know, you, you, and depending on the type of trader you are, how aggressive do you want to be? I mean, look, you could, you could have used a 14-day on Newmont, but you might have been stopped out right here, and you would have missed that run. So to me, the 14-day is probably a little too tight, right? You would have been stopped out here. But the 25-day was right. When it went below the 25-day, it was over. Made it live. Oh, excellent. Nice to have you. Thanks for coming. Hey, Lena, how are you? Oh, I'm so glad. I'm so glad it helped, Lena. Do you ever consider buying a dollar? No, I don't. The DXY is a dollar, right? You're talking about UUP. I'm not, I'm not a buyer of the dollar. But people will hide in dollar-based assets. But I'll tell you right now, Saber, I don't know. I mean, they're crushing. I'm surprised the dollar's really up. I don't know what's going on there. I mean, typically a dollar goes up if treasuries are going up and people are hiding in treasuries. That I understand. I'm not sure I understand what's going on here other than um, a flight to the to safety of money market funds. I don't know. So when's the bottom? In my opinion, the markets can't find a true bottom until Tesla topples. Huh. That's an interesting thought. The market certainly follows Tesla. There's no doubt about it. We had a wonderful day trade in Tesla. And we're starting to day trade it really every day. I try to focus on it every day. I posted this for you in Twitter if you guys are watching. But um, got on the day trade right here in, in Tesla, rallied right up to the ATR where we sold it comes down, we get another entry point here, right back to the APR where you'd sell it, and it sells off the rest of the day. This thing trades so well. It follows such a simple strategy that Tesla's at the top of my list every morning when I go to day trade. Um, and, and someone asked me, well, it's hard to trade a $1,000 stock. It's not really, it's, it's a percentage question. If it goes up 5% and you buy a $10 stock, it goes up 5%. You're still making 5%. I mean, so 
you know, Bitcoin's 40,000. People day trade that. So I don't know. Tesla seems cheap at 1,000 <laughs> from a day trading point of view. S-M-C-I. Super micro. All right. I'll, I'll take a look at that. <laughs> and my sister's there with Ann Rand. <laughs> Thank you very much, Misha. I appreciate that. I knew somebody would get it, and I knew it was you if you are going to be on with us. Atlas Shrugged. Hey, Jay got it. I love it. Well done. Points for you. Everybody should read Atlas Shrugged. It's one of my favorite books, and it's unbelievably uh, prescient at this time, I think. Yeah, I know. I know. CNBC. was Warner Wolf. Let's go to the videotape. I love that guy. Following potential nationalization of miners, what would stop them from forbidding physical metal ownership just like the 30s? Now you're talking Armageddon scenarios. It's possible. I don't, I don't think the U.S. is going to do that again, though. I don't think that policy would happen again. I think what was going on in the 30s is just so different than what, what the world we're living in today. I just not really too worried about that. Should we be 100% cash in this period of high inflation? Those two, those two thoughts, that's like an oxymoron that you just said, my friend. Should we be 100% cash in a period of high inflation? You're losing money if you're 100% cash in a period of high inflation, right? Because your dollars buy less and less and less. So... That's not the answer. The answer is a commodity super cycle. We booked profits on that swing trade because the market's imploding. We let it implode. And when the market finds its footing, we go back into the commodity names because those are the things that I think will be the best place to have capital this year because of the inflation issue. You follow me? My technical analysis. Excellent. Um, <laughs> good. I'm glad, glad to have you again. We missed you for a while. Um, definitely a super risky play setup. I like the excellent. Glad you're on that rip with us, and um, I'm happy to trade that KC with you. So we'll take a look. If there is a double bottom, then maybe that'll be an interesting trade. Thoughts on adding more to the portfolio, um, Deb? I'm 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 not adding anything more right now when the market's imploding off of that top. But after the implosion, <clears throat> you could, they could drive AT&T all the way down to the lows. And I would be dying to double up on that position. But I'm, I'm not, I wouldn't, I wouldn't add anything to any portfolio right now until this initial implosion subsides, we get risk monitor green, and then we can say, okay, hey, what dividend stocks are trading near their lows where their yields are at their highest? We can put them in the portfolio. I mean, here's an idea I can't wait to add to the portfolio of dividends, right? It's IBM. Really nice earnings announcement. Stock blew out. Stock held up all last week. Now, if the market implodes, this is a Dow stock. It's going to come down with the Dow. Hey, we didn't even look at the Dow, but this was a classic double top of the 200-day. Look at that. Oh, God. Double top of the 200-day. Totally implodes below all the moving averages the next day. So I don't think IBM is going to hold up, but it's at the top of my whiteboard of names to add to my dividend portfolio. I expect the gap to close with the market imploding, the yield to go to 5.5%, and, 
uh, and I'd like to put it in the portfolio. You, you think Chinese stocks are going to rock next week? Uh, I mean, more power to you, brother. I've been, avi- I've been advising anybody that will listen to me for the last year or two to avoid every Chinese stock. They're absolute fool's gold. They lie about all of their financials. They don't follow generally accepted accounting principles. How can I possibly know what's going on inside these companies? There are so many risks versus the possible reward in a Chinese asset. It just doesn't make any sense to me. Can they go up? Can you make money on a trade? Man, I hope you do. I hope you do. I'll let you, I'll let you have that. Those, those, that'll be all yours. That, that won't be me. Um, whoops. Uh, yeah, I mean, two of my favorite um, um, cybersecurity stocks, Net and um, uh, CrowdStrike. Love both of them. Don't own either. Uh, the whole group is, is imploding. You know, CIBR is um, my favorite ETF there, and it's, it's just collapsed below stops. So we're out of that position for now. Next week should be green before the big crash. Maybe. We'll see. I don't make predictions like that. We'll see what happens. Oh, the news about the audit next week. Uh, okay, so maybe they're all going to agree that they're going to be audited and, and the stocks will go up on that. Maybe. All right. Gap up on Monday. All right, we'll see. Okay, I mean, you're telling me that news hit the wire and I just haven't seen it and people are going to react positively to it. It's possible. That's a, that's a distinct possibility. I'll tell you what. What would be more important to me if that actually is occurring is that would almost tip the hand of, of, of China a bit. I think there's a lot of fear out there that China is going to follow Russia and do something with Taiwan and blah, blah, blah. I don't think they would be planning that kind of military action if they're actually going to submit to audits for the Western world to see what they're doing. I mean, it seems like they're trying to be more inclusive. I don't know. But anyway, let's let's not get off on that tangent. Um, You think there's value like no other in Alibaba. Okay. All right. So noted. Okay. Net sky limit is noted. Let's look at the price. We're in the 80s. This gentleman thinks, or or lady, I don't know, net sky limit, um, thinks we're going to have a, a sky's the limit move on Baba. We won't forget that, all right? Um, listen, everybody, I appreciate the time you spent with me. This has been, God, as always, you know, so much fun. Um, um, I appreciate you taking some time out on a Saturday to get yourself ready for next week and sharing that time with me. All right. Take care, everybody. Thanks so much.